Hashtag SAFM Lifetime. It is 14 minutes past two. Thank you so much uh, for joining Lifetime Live with me, Chrisalda Dudumash, and uh, we invite you to join in the conversations. I have to apologize uh, for the WhatsApp uh, voice notes. We've received quite a number um, of those, and uh, we are paying attention to all these voice notes. Unfortunately, the system um, is just acting up right now, but we appreciate each and every one of you who took time out to record a message. Uh, right now, we are focusing on um, our feature called Amen. African and just looking at some of um, the challenges that uh, join us as, as African people, um, things that we can celebrate about us as African people, and, and also just look at some of the building tools, what makes us African. And uh, uh, we're focusing today on the challenges faced by organizations that are providing uh, medical humanitarian services in war-torn countries. I think it was uh, 2016 uh, when I traveled um, with uh, uh, MSF uh, to uh, it was at the DLC and uh, you know having experienced what people it's become their reality that I wake up every day uh, for the next six months for the next um, a year or two I've given up everything um, just to be of, of assistance uh, to humanity And, you know, I looked at these doctors, you are qualified, you've studied, and you decide to just let everything um, go. You come from different countries, there's language barrier, uh, but you just choose to go to a war-torn environment and just give off your service. And, And this as part of just humanity. And I looked at these people and I thought, what kind of a human being uh, does it take? And to help us unpack the kind of human being and uh, some of their needs, for these countries, I'm joined by James um, Gambaki, who is head of uh, field uh, head of field human resources at uh, MSF South Africa. Good afternoon and welcome. Good afternoon. And you know, like I say, that my experience, uh, though it was just heartwarming, um, but a part of my soul was was torn apart that we have people who take life so um, much for granted and yet there's individuals who just go out of their way to just give of themselves to serve humanity. Yes and indeed uh, also here in South Africa we have quite a number if you can remember during the Ebola time we had also many South Africans who have gone uh, to Western Africa uh, through Doctors Without Borders NSF mm. and they have offered their services in such risky uh, infectious context you know how it was that time. Maybe tell us um, you know so that we put context some of these war-torn countries what do these individuals get exposed to? Um, it's harsh environment first of all um, you, you are not uh, surrounded by family. Mm. Uh, you are surrounded by uh, strangers, I can say, uh, people that you have met for the first time, other doctors or other colleagues uh, who you are going to start working for the first time together. That's yeah. also a challenge. And sometimes language barrier as well. Language people is another come from thing. Germany, exactly. France. Yes, and then we put them together in one place and actually all of them have that motivation mm. to do uh, medical care with such uh, high integrity and such professionalism in all those different scenarios where we actually have like yeah. somebody's from South Africa, another one from the US, another one from Kenya. They're all together in one place dedicated to do that and they do that consistently. Yeah. In most cases for up to six months uh, in one place. 
And, and you know, I shared with my colleagues that um, I, there are no fancy hotels when you volunteer for such. Um, you would either live in a um, staff quarters, and staff quarters could mean anything. Yeah, including tents. Including well. tents, yes. Yeah, like in South Sudan, we don't have uh, even houses, so we have uh, makeshifts and we do tents. Uh, sometimes we just try as much as possible to make it a bit more bearable Yeah. Uh, in a but way that a we have at least a bed and, and things like that, and yeah. at least we can actually have a shower in it. Uh, but you find that the, the motivation of, of, of the people that we recruit and send there, mm-hmm. when they come back, is so high that they want to do it again. Exactly. And they just found that because, you know, the real satisfaction. This is what I can never understand. Um, yeah. Because when we landed back in South Africa, because um, we're with uh, fellow journalists and uh, some from different uh, radio stations, and when we landed back, I mean, when we were there, there was a time when you're like, I miss home, I want to go back. But when we landed, we wanted to go back. Exactly, exactly. And that's the thing that we say that uh, with Doctors Without Borders, um, I personally did this for the last, I think, 15 years. Wow. Uh, when I came here in South Africa to recruit, I did about 11 years in the field mm. uh, where I kind of found uh, that those people need me more than what I actually have at home. Mm. Um and every time I come back, I have that urge that I need to go back again. Um, and and the, the, when you see possibly a patient who has never seen a medical doctor mm. in his entire life, and possibly you are the first doctor that they see yeah. in front of them for the first time, mm. that actually just humbles uh, many of the people that we recruit. Especially things we take for granted. Now let's talk about, I'm glad that we have a person who actually does the recruitment uh, for a living. What what would you say, um, I mean, are priorities as you recruit? What is your selection criteria? Uh, Of course, you've been actually hammering a little bit better on of this uh, motivation. Yeah. Uh, you have to be motivated Mm. to want to do this Mm. uh, because your drive has to be the motivation that you have to actually go there. The second thing we actually look for is high qualification because we still want to maintain high standards of professionalism. And that's why we kind of like say, yes, we want people to volunteer to work with us, but they actually have to take the same standards that they have here in South Africa, take it Mm -hmm. to DRC, take it to Afghanistan, take it to Pakistan, take it to anywhere else that we work with the same quality. Um, So that's also another thing that we look high qualification. So when you have this young person um, who's very motivated, uh, quite motivated, simply because uh, they just want to give back and don't know what it entails when you get to the war-torn country. Uh, what sort of precautions um, do you tell them about, if any? We, um, we usually engage with a lot of, you know, kind of like uh, processes. Even before mm. you are recruited, we, mm. we take you thoroughly through steps yeah. that will actually ensure that you are aware of what you're getting yourself into. So a lot of information is disseminated in all the steps that we take you through. And then when you are recruited, we also have things that we call inductions, mm-hmm. where we prepare you at the beginning. Um, because in those inductions, we actually do ensure that, first of all, you are medically fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually prepare you with all the vaccinations that is necessary because yeah. we take responsibility over you to ensure that you go there 
at our cost mm. to be as healthy as possible so that you don't actually waste time being sick. You That's actually it, get yeah. to actually do the work. So we make sure that you are fit. We take you through uh, processes of training where you understand the organization, you understand mm-hmm. what you actually entail to. We have a series of briefings. We call mm. it briefings. Yes. So before you go to uh, DRC, you have actually been there. Yeah, yeah. We actually explain to you everything about the context. Yes. We say that DRC is like this and this and this and this and this. We give you actually a job description where this is what you're actually supposed to uh, achieve mm-hmm. by the time you actually g- get there. And uh, that makes people kind of more comfortable to yeah. actually go there and just get the, uh, you know, the road running before anything else. They, they're already pre- uh, prepared. So take us through your day-to-day. Um, what, what does it mean going to the office for you? Um, for me, having been in the field for many years, I kind of feel much more uh, uh, kind of, you know, satisfied miss now the that field. I miss the field but yeah. I feel I find satisfied that I'm actually recruiting recruiting much more highly qualified people uh-huh. who can do better job than I did before yeah. to actually go there so in the morning we actually receive a lot of applications from mm. many we receive about 2500 applications a year uh, which we have wow. uh, me and my team to actually screen and see who are the most suitable candidates because we have several criteria that we're looking at yeah, yeah. so that we select the best ones. And at the end of that, we recruit usually about 60 uh, candidates out yeah. of the 2,500 applications. So you can see the the high quality of the people that we want to recruit mm. in most cases. And when we do that, we actually take this process very cautiously yeah. uh, because um, we, we want you first to be informed that you're mm. going to this particular context. And, and it's at your own risk. At your own risk. And not only that, we actually also make sure that you also are a person of integrity. Uh-huh. Yeah, because uh, the least thing you want is to have a, a person convicted of murder as, as uh, part of uh, um, your, your recruited agent. Exactly. Now, what sort of reasons do they give as you seek out how passionate uh, this individual is about the cause? Um, I, I mean, I can only imagine that uh, for me, it would mean I give up everything because things have gone horribly wrong at home. Um, either you've just been dumped or something horrible has just happened and you want to go and start over. Yeah, we we actually very cautious usually about that, and that's mm. why we take it uh, the process a bit longer than expected. When you just want to run away, because health is not just about fitness. E- exactly, it also talks exactly. to the mental. So health. mental and, and yeah. also physically, you have to be quite uh, really motivated. So um, the tools that we have really help us to actually uh, get to detect all those. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, what we actually many people associate MSF as this neutral, independent, impartial organization Mm. that we we do not discriminate. Mm. Um, Mm. uh, We actually follow medical ethics. Uh, We speak out on the plight of of patients or uh, the beneficiaries that we serve. And many people actually relate to that in a Ah. way that uh, actually is one of those things that they actually like. I want an organization that... I don't follow any um, kind of like uh, political, uh, political affiliation. affiliation. Yeah. I want uh, to work in an organization where I don't discriminate. Yeah. Um, so they, they actually, a lot of people 
get to actually um, have the same connection. And how many countries is um, uh, MSF serving? Uh, every year it changes, but uh, averagely it's between 60 to 70 countries around the world. Yeah. So we're quite massive. We work with about, uh, about 40,000 staff uh, around the world. Uh, so usually varies between 38 to 40,000. Um, so quite huge in terms of, huge. Of, of, of the programs. And our focus is usually medical action. Yeah, yeah. So um, running hospitals, mm. uh, running vaccination campaigns. And sometimes it's a, a camp. Exactly. Um, in, in, yeah, in yeah. the true literal yeah. sense yeah. and that any condition goes. Exactly. And one of our experiences when we were in, at the, in the DRC uh, was a young man who just did not even want to utter the word HIV. And he had all the signs and symptoms simply because the community where he comes from it's unheard of. You can never be diagnosed with this. They called it the dirty disease. Yeah, and that's why we work with 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 different specialities. You know, mm. uh, we don't not only work with doctors. We mm. work also mm. with psychologists. We work with nurses. We work with midwives. We work with um, anthropologists. Mm. We work with social workers. We work with. Uh, also, those are those who actually provide the first action, yeah. you know, the medical action. So, but then we have all the supporting roles, you know, uh -huh. like we have now the logisticians who actually make sure that you get the drugs to do this, provide to those patients. Yeah, yeah. You get the water to actually, you get the, the building that you actually want to actually use as a hospital. So we have also, because of our accountability, mm -hmm. we also work with finance people. So, so that would mean engineers are also welcomed. Engineers yeah. are also welcome. Actually, virtually, anyone, anyone can actually work with Doctors Without Borders. And I, I love the way you train your drivers. I mean, these guys are just incredible. Not only are they by, uh, uh, geographically savvy, but their, their humility, their... their uh, how they navigate and, and are able to negotiate with, because uh, in some of these war-torn countries, uh, you have trigger-happy uh, soldiers that would pull trigger anytime. Exactly. And, and you know, our, our, the things that keeps us safe is usually our power to negotiate yeah. with the people that we serve, because we do not discriminate if you are from the government side or mm. you are the rebel mm. or you are uh, whatever, so long as you need the medical services and we are in that place we provide it mm, so mm. all our staff have to be trained on how to actually approach beneficiaries how to appro approach actors so those, those are our main actors so they are rebels mm. they, they are the government officials they are uh, foreign uh, i don't know what but mm. we actually have to understand our context properly and our staff are doing that amazingly and I guess uh, the ability to also navigate through those airports uh, because war-torn country airports are just something yeah. else. Yeah, and many people say we are doctors without borders, so we can go anywhere. Anyway. We don't follow yeah. any rules, but that's not actually true. You have to follow, follow the follow rules. We follow all the rules. Yeah. So we make sure that you have the passport that is required to go to that country. We have the visas that vaccinated. is required. You're properly vaccinated. Yeah. We follow all the labor laws of that particular country mm. when we engage. So... All those things actually like we, we, we do not want to say, okay, 
We are the doctors without borders. We can do anything. No. Well, I guess the name <laughs> gives it up. <laughs> We're going to take your calls on 0891-104-207 and also uh, welcome your SMSs charged at 150 at 40938. Here's the news headlines uh, with Utsile Sako. Let's have the conversation. 0891-104-207. Thank you for joining us. Uh, indeed, having a conversation and inviting you to join us. And uh, we also, I think, uh, the WhatsApp voice note is up now uh, on 0614-104-107. And we're also both on Twitter and Facebook at SAFM Radio. And you can hashtag SAFM Lifetime Live. We're talking about the challenges faced uh, by organizations that provide medical humanitarian services in war-torn countries. And uh, also uh, joining me in studio is James uh, Kambaki, who is uh, head of uh, Field Human Resources at MSF South Africa. Now, let's talk about some of the, because um, we did say that it's at your own risk, but you provide security as far as you possibly can. What happens when there's a tragic accident? Um, because we did mention that these are war-torn countries. You get there, there's no, you know, prescript on whether you are safe or not. Um, yes, definitely. We, 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 we are exposed and uh, previously we also had uh, incidences where um, our staff have been exposed or, or killed uh, in, 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 in working in those countries like Somalia, for example, Afghanistan at some point. Uh, we try as much as possible to ensure that we have uh, working protocols that people follow. And that is also one of those briefings that we give uh, and the training that we give before someone goes to the field mm. that we actually understand that we have to follow certain rules. Yeah. For example, our work in Afghanistan, uh, we work mainly near the hospital because we try as much as possible to avoid movements up and down um, in that particular context. Mm, mm. Uh, we ensure that we have curfew times. We ensure mm. that um, all the protocols that puts us at risk yeah. uh, are actually like reduced as much as possible. One of the challenges is also um, there's no uh, set rule on what you eat. I remember going to the fish market. It was, yeah, an yeah, experience. Exactly. I leave it at that. You <laughs> need a fend a to fend off all those flies, but I tell you, the market was packed. Yeah, <laughs> That's where exactly. people uh, get their feed. Yeah. Let's go to Bushle in Bramfontein as we take your calls on 891 Good afternoon, Bushle. Good afternoon. Um, I just want to salute the brother there and the work that they do as doctors without borders. Mm-hmm. So, um, in just alleviating human suffering, and it's lovely for me to hear firsthand uh, from from him what they do. I am a donor to um, doctors without borders, and um, and I just want to encourage others also to do the same. And I don't donate a lot of money; uh, it's probably two hundred rands a month. But I know that that small amount makes a difference yeah. to many people. So if we can all, you know, just develop this culture of giving, and um, I think a lot of things would be resolved if we're able to go a lot further. So salute and keep doing the good work. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you very much, Bushle. And which brings me to the next point. I mean, who who support um, MSF? 
what sort of resources are needed? I know that uh, we did mention um, human resources mostly. Yeah, uh, our funds mainly come from individuals like I'm one of those. The previous yeah, speaker now, and Bushle, yeah. Uh, yeah, who uh, gives money regularly to MSF, little money as as little as two hundred rands a month. Yeah, but we have so many of those. We have about six million others who actually give um, those little funds to us. Mm. We'll want to encourage so many people to do that because it helps us to remain independent and not to be subjected to follow protocols and push from different you know uh, other actors yeah because so unfortunately some donors um would dictate what sort of causes you respond to and uh, what you don't respond to Exactly. And and we want to move as fast as possible to intervene in different outbreaks, emergencies that are out there. And when we actually do that, by the time, sometimes we have to now sit down, write proposals to send to those particular institutions to give us funding. I think mm-hmm. we are a bit late. At yeah, that yeah. Particular. So this uh, small funding from all these six million donors who continuously give us money mm-hmm. enables us to actually be independent yeah. to act as fast as possible and actually also use the donors not only to give money but also to advocate for the plight of those beneficiaries because there is a connection uh, and, and it just don't become just cash. It becomes also that I am supporting these beneficiaries and I actually like speak on behalf of this beneficiary by the money that I give. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and uh, let, let's talk about, uh, you know, some of the challenges faced by um, uh, the individuals placed in that country. And I, I always keep referring back to my own uh, personal uh, experience, uh, the language barrier. Uh, when we were in, in Tanzania, it, it was just incredible trying to just say, can I please have water? Like, whoa, <laughs> suddenly you realize that the world is bigger than just South Africa. Yeah, and that is also some of the, you know, uh, the demand when we're actually looking for uh, international field workers. We also require some language skills. Mm. And um, we find a lot of our programs right now are in uh, Western Africa where they speak French. And that's why sometimes when we are recruiting, we also like, could you also speak French or could you be willing to learn French mm. at some point because we could also have a very skilled person who does not speak the language but we, if you are re- willing to actually learn mm. then you actually like get into meeting our criteria but one of the um, uh, programs that I know you've invested in is um, uh, translators within that specific country yes there's also that yeah. um, I, I worked in a Russian context uh, mm. myself and uh, for the first uh, six months I had to learn Russian but I had to work as well mm. so you work with through translators yeah but there's also challenges sometimes only when you rely only on translators mm. so mm. it's 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 very prudent for us to be seeking um, extra People skills. People can speak you know, the language. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like for for example, now we we in, we are intervening a lot in Middle East. We are looking for also Arabic speakers. Uh-huh. So that is also an advantage. We're looking for others who could speak. Okay, French is is good, but also other indigenous languages are also useful. At mm. least to set your mind in that situations where you could also 
adapt and learn other languages yeah. is quite useful for international uh, but James, you representing human resources means you take care of a whole person. What about entertainment? Like, <laughs> is there any way um, that perhaps you just cater for uh, entertainment, that these individuals are not in this war-torn environment and there's never, ever play? Um, what usually happens is we advise them. Like, for example... Uh, I've lived in this particular, you know, countries. I worked in Pakistan uh, as well. It's like, oh, so we asked, can you take a lot of videos so that you could sometimes, you know, watch them, yeah, watch them. Yes. Um, there's also team life, you know, like uh, uh, different, our managers are well trained in a way that they could actually support people overcome those harsh conditions in a way that they could actually create that atmosphere that mm -hmm. we could play ping pong, you could play volleyball, yeah. uh, you could actually try at, as much as possible. You could have a small gym where you could just do a treadmill, something like that. Mm. Uh, so that is actually with the project sites where such conditions are made available that you not only work, although they work a lot, mm. uh, but you also have some form of, you know, entertainment that could actually keep you sane for that sure, particular sure. time. Give us contact details. Um, where do we find you and uh, for those who would like to contribute to the cause? Um, I think the best way is, is, is to go into our website www.msf.org.za mm -hmm. That's where you'll find if you want to donate, you can donate to mm. us. If you want to be a field worker, there's a place that you can actually click work with us uh, select uh, in the field and and you can read a lot uh, fast before you do that is actually important and if you want to be also a part of activism yeah, you know yeah. activist engage with us give us ideas you can always leave mm. communications on our website we have facebook uh, that you can actually like engage uh, us on twitter so that you can also engage us with our main mode would be uh, on the facebook Thank the, you. The, the website Thank you, thank you, thank you. I've always wanted to say um, MSF in French, live on air. <laughs> I'm not going to embarrass myself like that, um, but I'll let you um, tell us what MSF stands for. Uh, it stands for Doctors Without Borders. Yeah, Actually, the French that's version. The French version. So, uh, and we are now, I want international. you to go to the Medice France. Medicine Sans Frontières. There you go. That's one. <laughs> you said it way too quick. Thank you. Thank you very much, James, for joining us. Yeah. And uh, that is uh, James uh, Kambaki, uh, who is Head of Field Human Resources at MSF South Africa, Medicines uh, Doctors Without Borders. That's where I'm going to leave it.